0: Kingway Podcast. So excited you are here. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, have enjoyed uh, the last few weeks and putting Jed on the spot, making him come up with answers to questions he found out he's supposed to be answering minutes ago. <laughs> uh, we're going to film uh, our next episode in just a few minutes, even though you're not going to see it till the next week, uh, potentially, but uh, we are going to do our top 10 songs of all time. So i encourage you to tune back in next week and check that out. Um, They will not be based on anything other than personal preference, possibly some algorithm and mathematical equations that Jet has somewhat looked up and figured out, but also just personal reactions (laughs) Uh, and feelings. But today, um, before we get to that episode next week, today I want to do something a little bit um, more serious. And, uh, you know, time to time we like to learn and we say that we love to learn. That's kind of the purpose of this channel. And, uh, one of the things that I've just, I've kind of decided that I want to kind of wade into a little bit is sometimes the thing that we run away from, the things that sometimes we pretend, um, that we don't, we don't have to talk about, or sometimes we pretend that we shouldn't talk about, or maybe we just feel uncomfortable or that necessarily we're like, I don't know if we should do this. I, I want to, I want to kind of lean in, um. Today we're going to talk about a topic that I'm not excited to really necessarily broach or to discuss, because it's one of those topics that kind of hurts my soul, kind of makes me sad, but I think if we don't talk about it, and if I don't choose to talk about it, I think my silence and my lack of talking about it um, deepens the pain, not only in my own soul, but I think it also deepens kind of the pain of past discussions, even things that have been said on this podcast, so... That being said, I hope that you'll listen to this in full. I hope that you'll give me space to learn and grow if something that I say doesn't come off just quite right. I'm still thinking through and processing a lot of what I'm going to discuss, and uh, I hope that you'll take the time to do your own research and not just take the words that I say. I'm going to do my best to keep the facts the facts, um, to not make uh, outlandish claims or you know, declarations, but to just discuss the subject matter. <laughs> so now I know that's enough of for- like the preamble to what I'm going to say, but I wanted to make sure I said that first. I've talked about Robbie Zacharias a ton on this channel. Uh, Robbie passed away just a few months ago in the middle of the pandemic, I believe in March. And uh, I was in the middle of reading his last book. Uh, he has definitely been a pillar of, of truth and hope and, and empathy and grace and, and just gospel light that I've absolutely loved his writings and his work uh, and his apologetic videos on YouTube and his sermons have been. Incredibly helpful along the way of my journey, but about a month ago, um, I had some rumors, and then a blog and an article that was posted that began to outline that it was some possible allegations of some misconduct that a Robbie was tied to, and it, um, of course, was at first. There's this deep response inside of any person that someone that they love and care about, and even if they haven't met them, like I have, uh, not met Robbie. Um, you know, the allegations were not good. And so I was deeply saddened and then angry. And then I was trying to make sure that maybe the facts were being skewed or someone was going after some attention or power hungry. And it's, it's a temptation, I think, for all of us when when something that we thought was good um, turns out to have something inside of it or someone that was good that we kind of held up, um, kind of proves again the sin affects all of us um, in deep ways, and that the world has fallen. These allegations didn't have anything else that followed up. It was just one kind of blog and one little uh, set of reports that came out until about a week and a half, two weeks ago, when um, Christianity Today actually wrote an article and posted the facts of the investigation that had been done um, behind the scenes. Um, Obviously, or obviously Zachary International Ministries, is still functioning and has a bunch of countries and employees that are still doing great work around the world. And so they were kind of bringing it to light that RIZM has not finished their initial investigation. So here's the allegations. As I know right now, again, I uh, try to get Jed to post maybe in the uh, below the link to the article. We'll get that in there. As it is right now, it's kind of even hard for me to talk about. I'm not necessarily a detailed person. And sometimes I try to, um, I don't want to over-exaggerate or under-exaggerate. I want to try to be truthful. Ravi Zacharias had uh, incredible back pain from an accident that happened in 1985, um, in which left him kind of with this chronic incredible back pain. And so he had and needed a lot of chiropractic and surgery and uh, medications and different therapies to kind of help with that pain. And in the midst of that, uh, I believe in the early 2000s, he purchased um, and was a part of an investment group in the Atlanta area that um, opened a spa. And uh, this spa had personal massages, um, treatments, and different physical therapies that were helpful to his back. Um, And what the article in Christianity Today kind of outlines is that while he was invested in this, and the staff was aware of who he was, not only in the community, but also around the world as an apologist and a Christian leader, he was um, sexually basically acting out and committing misconduct with the employees and the ladies that worked there. Three women have come forward so far. um, None of them um, are named in the article. Um, They wish to to kind of remain anonymous at this point. None of them are seeking anything other than just for the truth to come out. Um, And it looks like the allegations kind of outline um, kind of a, I would say, a continued and a repetitive and kind of a consistent kind of uh, sexual misconduct that, that occurred. It sounds like it would start with kind of a trust being built and then Robbie slowly kind of working into a place where he would kind of, um, allow himself to be seen naked. And then he would, uh, actually sexually kind of gratify himself in front of these women and these women would be asked to give photos. And actually one of the women was asked several times to actually have sex with him, um, and all under the kind of covering that he was in need of relief from his uh, pain and uh, the weight of his ministry. So, what this what this article, of course, online, and I encourage you to go and read it. Please learn the details. Um, there is deep pain in the victims, and it is heartbreaking to read to see that a Christian leader that I love and um, still value his opinions um, obviously has some uh, inner demons that really caused and have uh, massive consequences with some people uh, that he took advantage of. So why I wanted to talk about this is not because I wanted to necessarily just bring this up to just make your day horrible, but because I felt like in the church, and especially in Christian circles, we're not very good at talking about what do we do when this type of thing, fall when when the fallout happens uh, like this. And I found myself kind of secretly almost like crying and angry and frustrated and because this isn't the first time that this has happened with Christian leaders. In fact, I would say in my 35 years, 36 years, this is a, like a pattern, you know, that um, someone that you hold up as a hero of the faith or, you know, with what I have heard of him described as like a modern-day C.S. Lewis, you know, like a modern-day saint in the Christian community. When you hold him up to this standard, it just seems like it's a matter of time, uh, before something comes out that kind of reveals that they weren't who you thought they were and that they were broken. So, uh, why I think we're not good at talking about this or why I think it, it's worthy of our time is because how we respond in these moments, I think, is a more accurate way of understanding and seeing and knowing the gospel is real and big enough. And what I mean by that is, it's not that I think... Um, That we just need to go, oh, there's grace for Robbie and we just need to move on. That is not at all. And it's not like we just need to go, okay, obviously man is broken and he all his words now fall short of the glory of Scripture and we just need to return to Scripture and not you know, not edify anyone that you know that that displays the characters or the character and the characteristics of Jesus. I don't think we need to do that either. So how do we find a middle ground in this? Like what do we do with these books that Robbie has written? What do we do with all these YouTube videos that are what do we do um, with all this stuff that, that Robbie has has created that is incredibly edifying, incredibly good stuff that are that are weighted words. Like I know for me, um, there's a part of it that like I was listening to and in the middle of one of his books and I haven't opened it since since I've heard. Like I just haven't. I haven't touched it at all. And I know for me, I know for a lot of you, when you hear this story, maybe you've listened to some of Robbie's books. Maybe you've heard me talk about it this year in the podcast. Maybe you just started reading one of his things. Maybe you have jumped on YouTube and you've been like listening to some of his stuff. And now you're like, what do I do with this? Um, I think that's why we struggle to respond because we, we kind of just run away from it. And we kind of just go, oh, gosh, how do we? How do we move forward? And I think there's a process to it. So this is what I've discovered in my own, and this is where I want to kind of get to the meat of the discussion. We have to do a better job of calling sin, sin, and grace, grace. And what I mean by that is there has to be a place where we do not minimize, marginalize, or underwrite people's suffering and pain by sin that is caused by someone else because they have done great things or because they have incredible um, influence in the world and that they have a chance to do great things for God or for kingdom work. We cannot do that. And if we choose to do that, um, it only hurts not only him, I think it it would hurt the person that commits the sin, him or her, but I think it also hurts the victims. And it ultimately, it, it minimizes and marginalizes the price and the reason for the cross and the reason that Jesus came. In the same breath, we cannot minimize or marginalize or forget about or not count grace. We have to remember that we all live underneath that. When John writes in his gospel, Jesus came as the full measure of grace and truth, I believe that truth is the revealing of the depth of our sin and our need for Jesus and who we are compared to who he is and what he has to do for what we have done and i think the grace part of it is the covering of that that truth the revealing of that hope that revealing of what we needed my brother who uh, lives in new york city um was the one that kind of i've had a couple of discussions with him he actually wrote a response and stuff on through his facebook page and one of his comments that he said i thought was just brilliant and what he did was he broke it down. And I wanted to kind of show this or at least read pieces of this to you. Um, there's a part of legacy for spiritual leaders that kind of have this, uh, this, this struggle in your brain, right? Of grace and sin being called sin or the truth of the damning thing that this is. And I wanted to read this this little section. For spiritual leaders, the fear of the damage of retribution or income or vocation cannot outweigh the need for honesty and integrity. The stakes are too high. The church has chosen time and time again to protect their predatory rather than their survivors. uh, The predators rather than survivors. Immediate attempts to downplay the suffering and recoup reputations in the face of accusations are some of the precise reasons why survivors do not come forward in the first place women in this story say they thought maybe they had done something wrong, or were afraid of what might happen if they came forward. This is dynamic. I see take pl- I, This is a dynamic I see take place when famous pastors or leaders are at the center of these things. I think it's part of why it's not. It's not until after the person has passed or other people have come forward that allegations come to life, or come to light. When I, when I read that, I feel that tension that we're talking about, right? You're in this place, if your RISM is ministry, or if you're in this place is like myself, even in the immediate response to hearing about the allegation of like, you want to just go, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but like all the great things that he did. So here's, here's kind of how I want you to think about this. And this is what I'm kind of molding through and please leave a comment. Um, you know, I would love to continue this discussion. I hope that you're taking the time, but we have to learn. We have to learn how to call something out in someone else, and to recognize that that is actually what Jesus would want us to do in a loving, real way. And we have to, in the same way, be ready to pay the price of grace. Um, so when David, <laughs> the God, the man after God's own heart in the Old Testament, is edified at the end of almost every story that you hear as like this guy that did great things for God and, and you know united the, the, the nation of Israel and all this stuff. We, for whatever reason, because of the time gone by, we forget that he was a terrible dad, that Absalom had to do what he wouldn't do, step in to actually um, bring conviction to his brother that had raped his sister. We forget that David had... Basically taking advantage of, and misconduct of taking a, a woman off her rooftop and bringing him into his own home, impregnating her outside of her own marriage, and then having her husband killed so that he could take her as his bride. And those are the things that we read them as fairy tale stories long ago, but what they don't really ever do is make it into the real world. But yet, I would be one that would preach his songs, and his songs And we quote his things, his prayers, and his heart all the time. We have to get better at hearing the victims and the hearts of the people that are crying out. We have to get better at focusing in on some of those pains and not ignoring them. We have to get better at, at the people that are closest to us need to call those things out in us. I just wonder, and my heart breaks for the people that were super close to Ravi, that we don't know yet if these allegations are completely true. and want to make sure that we say that, but it sure seems like they are. But if they are true, and someone close to Ravi knew they were true, and that he had confessed what he was doing to them, and that he did not or did not have a friend that would step in and stop it, or if R-I-Z-M knew, guys, this is, this is a critical failure in living out community gospel truth. It just really is. Because I think the recovery process of someone is the fullness of the gospel. If that's confessed, if that's admitted, Ravi gets a fuller experience of grace before he dies. Like there's a, a chance for him to fully receive the grace of God before he dies. But instead, if these are true, he dies without ever experiencing that. Maybe internally he had a conversation with Jesus. Yes, maybe they had talks and Jesus' grace still covers him. I believe that, but there is a brokenness in him that never experienced the fullness of the gospel because the truth was not called out and grace was not able to be extended because the There was non-negotiable line in the sand that was drawn that this is not okay to accuse someone at this position and this height to talk about it and to have a chance to actually have these things come to life. Now, why this is extremely scary is because I'm in a position where I have people that look up to me. And uh, if you've ever been in a position where you have people that look up to you, maybe you're a father or a mother, maybe you're an older brother or a sister, um, maybe you're a coach. Uh, Maybe you have people in your life that look up to you and they hold you to a high standard. It is incredibly hard when you fail and when you make mistakes and when you do things that hurt other people around you. I want to be incredibly clear here. Not every sin needs to be confessed to every person. And to receive grace, it does not necessarily mean that it needs to be brought to the light to the full community. But I will tell you this, if you are not willing to confess a sin to another person and ask humbly what the response should be to your sin, uh, you're not being repentant and you're not actually experiencing the fullness of grace. And if you have a person that has been told something by someone else, that they've confessed something, that they're hurting or taking advantage or doing something to hurt another group of people, Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's something that's, that's going on. And you're the, the person they're confessing to. You have a duty to talk to someone else and to help them get right. I can't imagine the guilt that would be on my, on my heart if I was the one that Robbie had confessed this to and I didn't say anything. Please, we need to get better as a church at talking about the things that are happening. I know it's hard, I know it's difficult, I know this is a challenging time to be alive because we have false allegations that sometimes do, and sometimes do people do seek vengeance or vindictive things, but but it, for the light <laughs> to be light, truth has to have a chance to come out, and I do believe false allegations are most of the time vindictive or, or whatever, but they sometimes can be with a good heart, they just misinterpreted, saw something wrong, And the truth most of the time comes out. Not always, but most of the time it does. So i want to end with this little piece that my brother wrote that I thought was really well. And I thought he responded, like I said, to this article in a really cool way. And his conclusion um, is this, and I, I really like it. My hope is that the commitment to truth and justice for the survivors is what drives my urgency around this. It's not about tearing Zacharias down, but rather raising up those who have been trodden on, or down upon. My own faults are, are legion, and, are, are, are and truly, who are among us, my own faults, um, uh, who are uh, my own faults, are legion. And truly, who are among us could not be led into very dark places. It's, a precise, it's precisely because of the uniqueness of our moral failings and the trappings of our leadership. That we should do better. It starts by, by, by taking claims of survivors of sexual assault and abuse seriously, regardless if they come from our heroes. That's, the truth of what I'm saying is this Eugene Peterson writes The greatest struggle of a pastor and a people in influence in Christian circles is not lust, and it's not greed, it's not even what he would call pride. It is the crowd. And what he says is when you have a group of people that had elevated you to such a level, it can put you in a place where you you take advantage in a really poor way and you can get led astray unintentionally to a bad place. And I think we have to get better at not being afraid to stand up for those that are forgotten, that are neglected, that are abused. Though it's difficult, though it's challenging, and though when I say that, I know myself I have to be careful in my position. I know I have to put things in place that would not allow me to be um, even seen as taking advantage of my power in my situation. And that's a challenge for me because I've told I tell everybody that I come in contact, especially someone in our church, you wait long enough, I'll let you down. There's just no way around it. You wait long enough, I'm going to mess up. And I'm going to need grace. Um, And I think all of us need to remember that. But at the same time, we cannot hold people on a pedestal that we're not willing to, to confront having a conversation with and to ask them to have accountability. So I say all that to say I know the story is still not confirmed. R-I-Z-M has basically said that they are doing their own investigation and looking into the allegations from everything I can read and say it just looks like it's a matter of time. Uh, before we kind of get more of the details and kind of figure it out. I, I'm not sure the way forward for our IZM. I think they have to do um, a really good job of being honest from this point forward because trust has definitely been broken, um, and this organization bears Ravi's name. That being said, like I mentioned with David, the Holy Spirit has used Ravi's words in a powerful way beyond even what his heart um, could bear because he has reflected Jesus in my life. He has shown that. Um, and I think there's a part of his ministry that will have a lasting effect. But I think we need to all admit that this is also a part of his legacy. That he, if these allegations are true, this is a part of the brokenness that was Ravi. Um, brilliant, incredibly kind, incredibly um, well spoken, and uh, an incredible leader. Uh, in his organization, but a man that that had struggles and definitely needed Jesus, just like I know you and I did and do. So I know I kind of babbled through that, and I hope that you give me some grace in the sense I'm processing this and figuring it out too. I may give an update as we kind of move forward and uh, give it a little bit more. It may not be a full episode, but we might just take a chunk at the beginning. But uh, like I said, we'll put the link uh, to the Christianity Today article, and I'll give you some space to look at it. Um, but man, don't put yourself in a place of no accountability, recognize that the truth is the place that the gospel really does its best work and that you cannot be loved or loved from a fake place. And so if you live in a place of, um, not owning and repenting of your sin, uh, to someone close to you and to God, I really, truly believe you cheapen the effects of grace and the gospel in your life. So that goes for myself and I know that goes for you. Well, I hope you've, uh, I hope you've paid attention. I hope you've stuck through it this long. i leave a comment in there. If you, um, I know like me, you're kind of grieving and mourning this maybe a little bit, and there's some anger even. That's okay. Um, I'm sure there was a lot of that with David too. And I know there has been some times in my life I've done some things that, um, yeah, disappointed myself as well. Thank goodness for the cross. Thank goodness for grace. Um, one of the core beliefs at Kingsway is we'll be known what we're for, not what we're against. And I'm for every person being edified, given the dignity, and loved well like Jesus would. And so everything I do is to hope to lift up those survivors and to say that I'm sorry. Um, and I hope that uh, they find the grace of Jesus that would allow them to heal, and that um, God would do a work in their life to show them that He He loves them fully and completely, um, and that He has not forgotten them. So. You guys have a great, glorious day in the Lord. I hope you continue to lean into Jesus.